Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 71. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing our must-see movies and guilty pleasures from the past, the present, the future. The future. The future is now. The future is not now. Why do I say this? Because we're doing things a little differently this time. Because the future of hemp is now. (laughs) This is an in-joke that only about six people will get if they happen to attend this year's South by Southwest Film Festival. I think it's more than six. This is our South by Southwest 2021 special edition. Normally it would be my turn to choose a film, I think. Didn't we we go with yours? We still get to choose. Just... We'll just oh, this delay. doesn't completely we'll skip over or erase what I'm yeah. doing. Okay, so we just attended this year's online South by Southwest Festival, which ran from March 16th through the 20th from Austin, or so they say. I don't know. I, I, we accessed it on our smart TV yeah. with the South by Southwest online app. Yep. And we are back to tell the story. I think uh, my final tally was I saw 12 movies. And a couple of shorts, and about three panels, and I think you saw probably ten features. I think I saw two, you didn't. In any case... I saw ten movies. (laughs) We've decided to each uh, highlight uh, two of our favorite movies that we saw. And I will say, everything I saw was worth seeing. It was a great festival. It was a really great festival. Either I choose well, or, well, I think more likely... They chose well. Well, we in, saw in like six of the eight narrative things, and they were all worth seeing, you know, so. Yeah, the narrative competition was really strong. We saw a few more of those than, I, I think we saw maybe all but one. No, no, all but two. There were six that okay. we saw, and we and there were we two saw others. only three of the, three, three, doc- or three or four of the documentaries. The documentaries okay. Yeah. So, uh, how should we do this? Do you want to? Well, it's since it's your turn to pick, why don't you go you're first? Put, you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first movie I want to pick is a local movie. Well, local Local-ish. filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, In Between Girl by yes. um, Texas filmmaker Mae McKino. Yes. And it's the story of a teenage girl, Angie Chen. She wants to be an artist. Um and she, I, I'm terrible at synopsizing. Uh, her, you want to go for this? Her parents are getting divorced. She's interested in a guy. Um, it's it's a, you know stuff that happens to well to all of us, but it's very much like a teen movie. She likes a boy. He likes her, but she likes the hottest boy in school. Yeah, and he likes her back, but not enough but to break kind up of with his girlfriend. Secretly, yeah. like they're buddies. Yeah, and then. She loses her virginity to him. Yeah. And they start this sort of relationship of after-school hookups. Yeah. That never really is turning into the kind of maybe relationship that she would like to have. But on the other hand, one of the actually unique things I thought about the movie was she's also kind of into the hookups. I mean, she's like... Yeah. This is a really... I thought it was a really positive movie about teen and female sexuality at that age because... At a certain point, she's just like, this is fun. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Obviously, she wants more to come out of it. But there's a lot going on, too, because her parents are getting divorced. Her dad has a new family. Yeah, he... He moves in with a woman, and I don't know if they got married. 
Yeah, I don't know if they're married yet or not. It's not clear to me. He has a new partner and her daughter, who's maybe a year or so, older. about a year older than Dumb. than Angie, and is, in her mind, becomes uh, the sort of fantasy better version of her. Like, on track to go to Stanford, like, will win the Nobel Prize someday, like a star all around. And she kind of thinks of herself as slacker, artsy, yeah. chill kind of girl well you know it's it's interesting too because there's this whole aspect because angie's mother is white and her dad is chinese yeah and like she doesn't feel like she has much connection to her dad's culture even though i think she says the last time she went to china with him she was like 10 years old um she draws this beautiful picture of of what she remembers from her visit to china but she feels sort of alienated from her dad because like his new family um you know they speak mandarin to each other in the house she doesn't know mandarin she feels like completely cut off from him by this like sort of cultural thing you know um which like yeah that's and she can only see the differences between herself and like the new daughter figure <laughs> yeah <her> dad's <laughs> sort of stepdaughter in like a negative way like the comparisons she feel are don't put her in a favorable light and she's very self-critical of herself Dumb. um but we see her as pr- a cool kid yeah i mean she's she's really neat and down to earth yeah and um yeah well the other th- other thing that really struck me about this movie is that like her and the guy seem to have, like... I mean, other than the fact that he's cheating on his actual girlfriend that he's public with, like, they seem to have, like, a real relationship. I mean, like... I mean, like, he's... He treats her badly. I mean... But when they're together, like, they have a really good repartee, and she thinks he's funny... Or he thinks she's funny, and they have in-jokes, and, you know, it looks like from... It looks, it looks like, like a, a healthy relationship. It looks like a really healthy, natural relationship. If he wasn't, you know, keeping her a secret and, and cheating on his other girlfriend, you know. <laughs> right. So Angie's in this weird position of just kind of getting into a relationship that she can't even call a real relationship while also kind of feeling like the other woman. Yeah. You know, because she has to keep this whole thing a secret. They have this weird mm-hmm. secret thing. And, you know, it's kind of on again, off again with where, she, you know, it's yeah. like, I don't want to do this. And then... No. They fall back into things. But I just felt it was just such a natural study of a high school kid. I mean, yeah. this this particular girl. I mean, it feels very um, personal. Like she's yeah. a re- like a real, care- a real person at the heart of it. And maybe that comes out of... Um, you read a little bit about the background of, of the movie... In terms of... Um, so, originally, she wrote... She was planning on having, like, a Latina or um, black actress to play the actor. But when she did auditions, she didn't put any sort of limitations on the particular, you know, ethnic or racial person she was looking for. So, when they had um, the actress, who I can't remember her name, audition, she just loved her energy. And so, um, Mae Makino is also from... Uh, a biracial household as well. So they sort of bonded based on their similar experiences of, you know, growing up in a biracial... And then they brought in all that personal material. Yeah. So you took a story that had, like, a good setup and 
a unique perspective about this kind of you're not you're not a kid and you're not an adult and your family's not what it once was it's kind of breaking apart and reshaping into new family units I mean and you're you're discovering your sexuality for the first time it really is this in between time but then it also has like all the richness of their their backgrounds and their personal experience that they brought to it and you know I'll mention one final thing from my perspective which is Galveston, where the where it was filmed, is absolutely beautiful. I hadn't, I haven't been to Galveston. I've in many never been years. to Galveston. So, like, I've never seen a movie filmed in Galveston before. It is an absolutely beautiful place. Like, it makes me want to go there and explore it because I knew that it's like a historical. It's like one of the oldest, like. It was, I think, largely built in the Victorian. I was going to say, I didn't know they, they had have those, all like, these beautiful Victorian and it's so green and verdant. I mean, it does get knocked over I by hurricanes. I think it was ten minutes in. I was like, where is this even taking place? Yeah. So and and like her dad works as a researcher for um, the UT Medical Center there yeah. in Galveston. So anyway. I was, I thought that was cool because I'd never seen a movie based in Galveston before. Yeah, and I, I so a good again local connection and and I know they got some funding from Austin Film Society or from the Austin yeah Austin well, Film, Film Society, Society yeah. yeah and um, the lead uh, Emma Galbraith was great yeah so that's my first recommendation. Excellent. Um, what are you going to hit us up with? Oh gosh, uh, I guess we'll move. Well, both of my picks are kind of very serious and dramatic so which is unusual for me because I'm generally kind of a comedies kind of person but um I do like a good character study um that really gets at the truth of the human experience so my first film is Islands which is it was so good um set in Canada the story of a Filipino family um namely um gosh his name's Joshua. Joshua, um, who is a man in his... He's 50. He's, he just he turns 50. He has his 50th birthday in the And movie. he lives with his parents. He's single. Um, he takes care of... Well, his mom takes care of his dad. And he, you know, works... As a custodian? As a custodian, I think, at a at the university, I believe. Um, yeah. I can't... I could never figure out if it was Vancouver or Toronto, but it's Canada. Um, and he has a brother who has a wife and two kids... Um, but he's largely alone most of the time. He doesn't hang out with his coworkers. He only sees his brother occasionally because his brother's busy with his family. He goes to work. Yeah. He comes home. He, he takes his parents to dance class. Dance class. Yeah. <laughs> Mom cooks dinner for dad and, and him every night. He's never been in a relationship before. Yeah. He's very shy. He leaves it. This, this is his whole world. Yeah. And that's what we get from the beginning. Yeah. And then things... And then, start yeah. to change. So uh, the first, like, we, this is, I mean, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's what starts the whole movie is that his mother, while doing the laundry, falls down the stairs and passes away. Um, so that's kind of like the start of the whole story. We get the the funeral. We get family coming in from overseas. We get order. his decisions to, to quit his job and stay home and become his dad's, his Care- elderly father's mm-hmm. caretaker. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny when... This is how beautifully it, this movie is acted. It's like when the mother is alive, like you notice that maybe there's something a little off about the father, but as soon as she passes away, it becomes very clear that at some point he had a stroke and he really cannot do much for himself. Like 
when she was alive, he was a little bit more, he could move better, he could talk better. He went to dance class. He went to dance class with her, but as soon as she passes away, like, everything that kept him going seems to have, like, completely drained from him. So, really, it is kind of, like, his story. Really common yeah, story that he's, happens. He's moving towards death throughout the 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 film, Um but the story is Joshua's story, which is he doesn't want to be alone. That's what he's afraid of, is that when his mom's gone, when his dad's gone, he's going to be by himself. Um, so, you know, in comes a cousin <laughs> um, who was in a dire situation overseas in Kuwait. She was working as a caregiver. Um, but she comes to the funeral and she ends up staying and helping... Uh, Joshua with her, his father during this this whole time uh, and their relationship. They become really close. Yeah, and um, they create a sort of family unit together. And I don't know, it stirs other emotions for him too. Yeah, there's suddenly <laughs> a woman that he's interested in. Yeah, she happens to be his cousin. Yeah. So more <laughs> more complications. But uh, this is what I really like about this movie is one of the things that movies do so well is to to put you in somebody else's shoes and to create a sense of empathy and yeah. compassion. And this is a movie that on the surface, even with what we've described, probably doesn't sound like there's a lot of conflict in it. Yeah. Like it's largely has to do with this person's personality and his values and his defenses, and it's largely internal. Yeah. And yet, we we experience it with him by his side, very just lovingly observed yeah. in, in such a way that uh, these things are monumental changes to him. Yeah. And so you feel that even though there's not, you know, it's, it's, there's not hugely dramatic scenes. Yeah. And yet it has all the drama of, of real life when it has to do with your own sense of self yeah. and what you will do to maintain your way of living and your status quo and what, what can you do when it's all threatened all of a sudden. Yeah. But it's just so quiet and beautifully rendered and that performance of Joshua. I know I can't say his name because I have never heard it pronounced before. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, uh, Rogelio Balagtas. And he mm. won uh, an acting award. An acting the, award, the acting yeah. award at uh, South By. It's, it's just so subtle and um, like you just, you really feel his pain, but you also feel how hard it, he's trying. And, but like what, how, I mean, like, how hard he's trying, and he wants to be, push himself outside of himself, but, like, how hard that is for him, you know, that that trying his very hardest looks like moving at inches instead of, you know, he can't walk a mile, he can, he can move it 10 feet or whatever, you know. He's, and even something as minor as... You know, his cousin pulling him up to, at the dance class that come here and dance for a second yeah. is like causes all kinds of waves of like self-defense. Yeah. And like, this is really hard to do <laughs> when you've like 
not done anything ever. Like yeah. you've lived, lived such a, a quiet, sheltered, peaceful life. Well, and at the end, I feel like he's opening up and like, like, you know that he'll get there eventually. It's just, it's not going to happen in the hour and a half that we have to spend with him. It's like, a, even, even at 50, you can, like, the events in your life can change you and, and make you into a new person. You know, it just, it doesn't happen right away. It, it takes months and years and, and little baby steps. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that film yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's a Canadian film, and it was written and directed by Martin Adralim. Um, the cast is great. It has a very small cast. Um, Sheila Lotwako, I think, was uh, the cousin. The cousin. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have the cast names yeah. here. But just to point out a few people who are involved in this, <laughs> in this movie, I hope it uh, gets distribution and a lot more people get a chance to see this film because it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, I loved it. Does that mean I, I'm it's going It's your with, turn. Okay. It's your turn now. So um, I'm dropping my notes, first of all. Now, the next movie I'm going to um, talk about was actually the last movie we saw. So yeah. we, we just spent four or five days watching, you know, a dozen movies, like I mentioned. And the very last one we saw um, also happened to win the jury prize. It won the jury, um, yeah. Uh, and it was The Fallout. Yes. It's uh, directed, written and directed by Megan Park. And it is about, it's a, here. here's my, I'm going with movies about high school girls. This is yes. a very different one from mid, In Between, uh, yeah. In Between Girl. But this is about um, a teenager named Veda who survives a school shooting. Yeah. She's in the bathroom when it happens, cowering with two friends they make it through that 90 seconds or whatever it is it's horrifying and but the movie is about as the title says about the fallout about the aftermath Aftermath. and really about this this state that she's in um i don't even know how to characterize it a kind of a numbness a kind of a Something died in there, and yeah. you can't just go back to the way things are. They knew people who died. She stops going to school. Of course, her parents are like, you know, you need to get over this. But she's also a teenager going through normal teenage things yeah. and longing for friendship and connection and love, and yet stuck in this world where nobody except really the girl who was in the stall with her understands. And so they know that only they really get this. And so she forms an unlikely friendship with like a popular girl at school who she normally would have absolutely... She was an influencer. She's a social media... Insta-influencer. influencer. influencer. (laughs) They normally would have nothing in common, but this creates a bond and a new friendship to to the expense of other friendships and, and even having difficulty her parents having difficulty connecting with her, her sister, her, she has a younger sister. Yeah. Um, and her, and her best friend too, who she yeah. kind of. So, um, it's, uh, it's starring the wonderful Jenna Ortega, who mm. we've been seeing more and more of lately. She keeps She's turning fantastic. up and stuff. She was in the Netflix TV series, you, yeah. um, in the second season, the second season. And, um, I think, 
think she, well, I know she's done a lot of other TV work and, and, and you'll recognize her. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know her name by now, she's amazing. Can we just talk about, so, I mean, there's a little bit of introduction to the movie where we get to see Veda's life before, yeah. before, but then there is, we sit with her live. She's gone to the bathroom her younger sister got her period, called her on her phone. She runs to the bathroom to talk to her sister on the phone because you're not supposed to talk. And during the time that she's in the bathroom, that's when the shooting starts. And, like, it is, like, real time. Like, we hear, I mean, it's just so visceral. I mean, I think both of us were, like, shaking in tears you know, sort of thing, because it... I looked at you wiping yeah. my eyes and was like, yeah. I didn't even know that the, tears were running down my face. Well, I mean, I think that it, it's it's just so captivating and terrifying, and, you know, she ends up hiding in a stall with this girl that she just, like, met. She just talked to her, and they hide together, you know, and, you know, she tries to keep her calm, and, like, during, you know, you keep hearing the shots during all this, and they're, you know, reacting every time, and it's 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 real time, and then they hear somebody come in, and they scream, and it turns out it's another student that he's covered in blood. They don't know if he's been shot, but he keeps saying, my brother, my brother, it's just like, and then you hear the sirens, you know. It's two minutes or less, right? It's like, I mean, it's it's like, like three like... to five minutes or something like that, which is actual real-time response time yeah. in these situations. Like, that's, that's, I mean, like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how to talk about this within bring, but, you know, I was... I was in high school when Columbine happened. I think I've mentioned that before. But, like, the overall feeling that I get from this movie is, like, why why did they let this happen to us? Like, she's asking that question. Why, why do we keep letting this happen? You know, don't they see that it's not just the people who got killed, but how many people are impacted by it? That how many, like, you know... People are emotionally devastated by it. It's it's so like Veda can't sleep anymore. Yeah. she has horrible nightmares every night. Um, the her her new friend Maddie, who was in the stall with her, can't sleep at all. Yeah, she can't sleep. And and she's got this weird situation where um, she's just left a home. Left home. Her yeah. Her dad's her, her are dad's traveling. are artists, and they're traveling. They're away in Europe, and she's alone going through all, all the of this time. in I a big empty house that. with bottles of wine and not much else to do but lie down and and get high yeah and, you know and call up the only other person who knows what you're going through yeah i thought it also even though we see the movie through veda's eyes i thought it did a, did a nice job of observing her her family's reaction to yeah. to her change in behavior and trying to figure out like everybody feeling powerless. Yeah. You know, that first scene where they're at the they're at the table and she stands up from her cereal and everybody just suddenly stands up stands yeah. up and they're like ready to yeah. I don't know, jump in and help. Um and she's like, I'm just gonna go take a bath. There's a scene later where I think her sister or somebody like slams the bathroom door, but the yeah. sound sounds like the gunshot and she reacts yeah. to it. 
Well, she starts locking the bathroom door. I think that, like, her sister yeah. freaks out on that. She's like, you never lock the bathroom door. Which, like, it didn't, it didn't occur to me now, but that was probably in response to, you know. But I also just play plain like this has a lot of ordinary moments where she's where she's hanging out and in the midst of this being herself and having conversations and you know being a teenage girl but and texting and I guess what I'm trying to say is like this is one of this is this is a movie where the teenagers really seem like real teenagers I mean like the way they the the way they text and the way they talk and even her little sister doing the TikTok behind her. And yeah. one scene she's on the phone and in the background of the shot, her sister's doing a TikTok the whole time. Well, and I will say, like, I feel like it's something that's unique and positive about this particular generation of teenagers is that they seem to have a lot more empathy for each other than perhaps previous generations did. I feel like my generation... Like, it would have been seen as not cool, you know, to to connect on that level. So that was beautiful that she reached out to those people that she experienced this terrible thing with. that And that she was able to find... The only place she could find comfort was with, you know, the guy who lost his brother and this girl that they, they lived through this experience the, the together. The people in that bathroom stall. Yeah became the people she was closest to yeah and like she loses touch with her best friend steve who you feel like they they've been best friends for years because he has a reaction to his perceived powerlessness like a lot of kids do which is this like we need to do something about it well, he becomes like, an activist yeah and a he's voice like for the david hogg and emma from emma parkland yeah um, who, you know, started this beautiful movement, um, which, like, I love them, but I feel terrible that they had... T- the burden of this. The burden of yeah. it ca- is carried by them because it should have been dealt with 20 years before that happened. You know, there's... I don't know. We have to do something about it. But, like, so Steve's response to his powerlessness is to start this movement and start looking for changes. And and that's a way to deal with it. But Veda can't get there. She's not. She's That's not where she is. She can't get past her own. She's overwhelmed by it, you know. So they kind of have a falling out because he can't, he thinks she's avoiding it which i just think they're dealing with it in very different ways they have ways. different work to do yeah. in this situation yeah and god it's and actually some of the work that she needs to do has to do with supporting her friend maddie yeah because maddie in some ways isn't coping as well as yeah. as she is and what would she, what state would she be in if if um, Veda wasn't able to come over and yeah. spend time with her at the house, at the empty house? You know, she becomes yeah. That's that's like the person she has to support other than herself. So it's yeah. I don't. I don't. I think that everyone should see it. It's it's such a good emotional powerful film um 
there's some there's some real beauty and and some real horror and you know all of that. I think we saw that um, mid morning on the last day of the festival. Yeah, and like we didn't talk about it for a few hours, but we didn't. We just kind of couldn't watch anything else after that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I was think conscious I there were still a number of other movies that I would have liked to take in at the festival, but I just felt like this was how it should end yeah. <laughs> like this what can what can follow this yeah <laughs> um plus to be fair we had just seen 11 movies or 12 movies i i don't know to me it seemed like to it communicated something that no amount of of like political posturing or whatever could communicate you know th- this is just the story needed to be told and and I'm sure that it's been told in different forms, but I don't know, or I haven't seen well, any I that told it. Well, I think we have to keep telling this story. Yeah, yeah. Movies have, have the ability to make something present, visceral, and personal in a way that um, an op-ed or something can't, or an argument on CNN or something yeah. like that. I mean, this has a power that makes it your problem. Yeah. It puts it, the ball in your court, too. Yeah. So, just an amazing film. <sighs> anyway. Right, we're uh, not getting any lighter yeah, after that one, no. are we? Well, I mean, so this one is a little lighter. I had trouble picking the last. I wanted to pick a documentary. I'm a big fan of documentaries but the thing about documentaries especially at film festivals is they can be kind of heavy so we saw three or four documentaries one only one of them was lighter in tone the rest of them were kind of really heavy so like it didn't feel like and there were there were some that would have definitely been worth watching that we just didn't get around to but they just see it seemed like it would be too hard we need um if the festival ran another week yeah. or we had the ability to watch this stuff on demand a little bit after yeah just saying that yeah. would be awesome because <laughs> i really wanted to see everything well you know people you know people need to make their deals and make their paychecks and pay back their you know investors yeah and such, these movies so. need to go off into yes. the world to yes. be seen by other eyes. It's to be seen by other eyes. So this one, I think, is actually was not in the documentary competition, but was one of the spotlight documentaries. And um, it was introducing Selma Blair, although it did win. It was in the documentary competition. Oh, was it in the competition? I, think so. I can't remember. But it didn't win the, the, it did the get overall some, it competition. It did get some sort of award for like intimacy and portrayal or something yeah. like that. Yes, you're paraphrasing. I know it's something like that. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> it, 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 won an, it won an award. Um, so introducing Selma Blair. Selma Blair is an actress, which you probably know. She was in Cruel Intentions, probably her biggest film. She was in Hellboy, both the Hellboy movies. Um, she's, um, she was in a, um, Todd Solon's movie too, which was kind of oh, disturbing. Yeah, yeah, I never saw that one, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, storytelling? So she, yeah, yeah, I think it was storytelling. Um, all of his films are disturbing. Um, but she's, you know, sort of a character supporting actress. She was in Legally Blonde as well. Yeah. Um, so she's a character actress slash supporting actress. So she's not, um, as well known as famous as some, but she, I think five or six years ago was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um 
And it may have only been like four years ago. I think yeah. this all happened pretty. So quickly. I think it. I think she suggested that maybe it started around the time that her son was born, um, which is you know sometimes common for for um, uh, autoimmune disorders like multiple sclerosis. So my father um, had multiple sclerosis. You know, and and you don't die from multiple sclerosis. You die of complications related to multiple sclerosis. So that's essentially how my father died. Um, but it's such a a weird disorder because it impacts everybody so differently. But essentially, it's the destruction of the nerve linings that you know affects nerves' ability to communicate with each other. So you end up with a lot of different symptoms. But essentially, like loss of the ability to walk, loss of the ability to talk, vocal changes, tremors. There's lots of neurological There's a whole range of things that can happen. So, um, and like the interesting thing about it is because it involves the brain. There's like a lot of interaction between, um, like psychology and the symptoms. So, Selma Blair has some pretty bad symptoms at the start of this documentary. She. Um, has tremors, she has trouble talking at times. Um, and then like, one thing that I thought the documentary did such a good job of showing is that when she's overwhelmed or stressed out, the symptoms get a lot worse. Mm -hmm. So when she's in her home amongst, you know, with her therapy dog, you know, with her familiar things, she feels comfortable. Or when she's focused. Yeah. I mean, this was all done so well in the yeah. opening five or ten minutes where it opens with her putting on her makeup and putting on the sort of Sunset Boulevard yeah. <laughs> turban. And there's no, there's nothing going on with her, yeah. her, you know, she can speak without any problems and do what she's doing. And then she gets down there and they're in the interview situation in the chair. With the lights and, and the camera. And I think it's, her therapy dog wanders off at some yeah. point and then she's, she's just... She can't bring words to her mouth. It's mm -hmm. like, you can see that she's thinking the mm -hmm. words, but she can't get them to come. The The communication between the um, language section of her brain is not connecting to the motor section that, mm -hmm. you know, would allow her to move. But it comes and goes. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. that. So, and, you know, it's interesting because, like, one time you reached over and grabbed my hand, I think maybe when she was trying to move down the stairs or something like that. And, but, you know, what I immediately noticed is that her, how she's in, she was impacted was very different than my dad's version of the illness, you know, which is, I mean, like, he did, he lost control in his hands. Um, he lost the ability to walk. Towards the end, he, he his voice changed but, and he, talking became slower, but he never had the sort of tremors that she had, you know, so it's, it's fascinating. It's the same illness classified, you know, although there are four different types of MS, um, her experience is unique to her because every, you yeah. know, experience with the MS is unique. So she decides that she wants to, uh, do stem cells treatment because she's tried all the other treatments. Nothing really helps her all that much. Um, it's mostly trying it, bouncing around from different medications, yeah. right? And something might work somewhat for a while on some of the symptoms, and yeah, and it's just a constant dance. Well, 
I mean, and essentially with MS, what you want in a treatment is for it to slow the progression of the disease. Like, there is no cure. We can't stop it right now, as far as we know. I mean, and even the stem cell treatment that she has... Well, didn't they say only like 300 people had had that treatment or yeah. something? Yeah, I mean, but the, yeah, this... At the point when she was going to do it? I think they said like 60% of people experience massive improvement from the treatment. Um, but these are like the very healthiest of the MS population because you can't qualify for stem cell thing unless you... Um, but but 60% is incredible because generally speaking, like the success rate is like 10% or something with the other medications. So like, and they just succeed in slowing down the progress, not actually stopping the progress of the disease. So um, this, I mean, the stem cell, it is miraculous, but it is also like still not a cure that we can call it, but it's, so I don't know. For me, it's it's weird. It was a very complicated thing to watch because it was exciting to hear about this treatment because, like, even if you've lost a family member to a disease, you just are still rooting for them to find something that will stop it and prevent it from happening to other people. So, I mean, like, I was excited and really invested in watching this film. So it just, it was personal, but it's also just so raw, like... It has her on her bad days and on her good days, you know? That's what I wanted to get into, and that's the kind of award it won, because you're getting a great sense of what it's about and the kind of story it tells for her, but, like, it's hard to explain the how honest and intimate and close you are to her everyday life while she's going through this. Like you said, every mood every moment where it becomes too much and she needs to turn off the camera, just allowing that kind of access to, um, her friend and and director. Um, I don't even have this in front of me. Do I Rachel flight? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know anything about their story or how they connected, but the trust that Selma has in her is amazing. I mean, I felt honored to share this story to 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 see this to to walk through this to to be there um i haven't seen very many movies that do that yeah well Um, and the treatment she goes through is hard it's it's yeah i mean it's it's just as bad as the worst I mean, like the worst chemo. I it mean, because you do with, chemo. Um, five days of solid chemo. I think. Yeah, isn't it? that At least was, that's five like days. step four or something like that. But yeah, they ha- they do just completely have to wipe out your immune system altogether. Yeah, right? they have. To, well, first they harvest your stem cells. Yeah. And then they grow them, and then they kill off your immune system and give you the. And then after that happens, they re. They reintroduce your healthy, hopefully healthy stem cells back into your body. Which is, I mean, like, fascinating. Like, that's an amazing scientific thing that we figured out. But you have to, I mean, like, it's hard. You have to be healthy to survive that because chemo is poison that you're putting in your body in hopes that you can get better, you know. Um, And it's a miracle, you know, they're miracles, you know, they cured my mom's cancer. But they're they're not easy on your body, you know. So, God, the, the part that 
the hardest part for me is like she's got a he's like five or six year old son mm-hmm. maybe he's four or five um and like she, he comes to see her at different points and like every time she says goodbye to him like when she's about to go get her first treatment or when mm-hmm. he visits her in chicago like she hugs him and gives him like this happy face and I'll see you soon. And I love you. And, you know, have fun with your dad. And then like, she closes the door and like completely collapses in tears, you know, just you sobs, get the feeling she know. never knows if it's going to be the last yeah. time. And that, that is, that was incredible to, to watch the, the strength that goes into like putting on that face. And then like, as soon as you don't have to hold it that way anymore, it's just like, Oh, yeah. I mean, and along the way, you just get to know her, yeah. her, her life, her, her family, her, her relationship with her mother, yeah. um, her thoughts about her career. I mean, yeah. she says, I never was going to be a star. I was always a, yeah. a supporting actress type. Oh, yeah. She know. had a terrible relationship with her mother. Like, that, she talks about how that, that's like a driving force in her life is this, like, well, it gives you that internal voice yeah. that you have. <laughs> the feeling the inadequate and nothing's yeah. ever enough. And, you know, I think that one of the messages that she got through this process is that, like, she doesn't have to try so hard that living is enough, you know, that there doesn't have to be all these expectations that you need to meet. And there's no one way to do things that, like, just living your life and enjoying what you have is enough you know, um, which like, yeah. <laughs> so we've already learned this movie's been picked up by Discovery Plus, I think. Yeah, it was picked little, up a few days before yeah, the South um, by South. But this it already the, had the branding on it when we yeah, watched it. Yeah, that's right. But this is the world premiere, um, the first festival it's in. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm so glad we got to see it. Yeah. Those were our... <laughs> Our picks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, do you want to run down in some way, shape, or form the other things we saw? Uh, sure. Um, I'm going to start with narrative, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm going to make up rules. Okay, yeah, you can so do whatever you want. We saw a fun, kind of fun, weird, another weird romantic comedy, kind of like the one we just watched last episode. Um, called The End of Us, which is about a couple that breaks up. It's another in this new genre we're carving out called romantic <laughs> break, break, breakup comedy. Break up breakup com- comedies. Breakup comedies. Yeah, romantic comedies about They breakups. break up, like, the day that the United States shuts down for COVID-19. So it's a COVID-19 story. <laughs> they break and up. a breakup story. <laughs> they break up, but they can't break up. They can't leave. They have to share their They live in L.A., house. which yeah. is locked down, like, hardcore lockdown. Um, so that was fun to watch for me because it was like our life. This, this is your life the last year. It was, who uh, would think that you would have <laughs> that, that kind of sense of nostalgia already yeah. about, Oh, remember in the beginning, yeah. you know, it felt, I mean, like they had the stage where she's making bread and yeah. like they're watching old movies together and yeah, they you had know. the movie marathons. Yeah. They had the, the Skype call, the, the FaceTimes, yeah. the, yeah. all that kind they had of the stuff. The social distance walking, you know, all that social distance walks, uh, COVID dating, COVID dating. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was kind of fun. It, I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to see other people going through that experience and, Although they had, were both unemployed, um, as opposed to like 
working from well, he's well, a, she's he's, working from home at he's first. A, he's an actor, so yeah. he's always trying to get auditions, and everything <laughs> is always spotty for him anyway. He's not all that much unlike the Andy Samberg character yeah. in the other movie we, yeah. that we just saw. Well, I think Celeste he was also, Jesse. he was a bartender. That's but right. But he immediately loses his job. He immediately lost his job, and she, what's the name of the fake company that she works for? Uh, it's, it's not Kayak. It's um, Canoe, is canoe. what she works for. So, But essentially, it's a travel well, company, so she gets furloughed. She gets furloughed. A few weeks into COVID, I think. Well, and one thing that was funny is the timing. Like, they keep changing the days, but you, like, feel like it's been two weeks and it's really just been, like, a week. You know, day seven. And it, it reminded me of the Endless March that we had, where we went, we got sent home at spring break last oh, year. this movie does such a good <laughs> job with the Endless March because I, I know I felt like, wait, how much time has gone by? And then it would have been, like, 11 days. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember how momentous the first 11 days, <laughs> the days were? were? Yeah. Um, so that was good. Um, the first movie we watched was uh, Woman is Losers, which is a movie about a woman in San Francisco in, starts in the at, 60s. In the 60s. And sort of her struggle against the sort of patriarchal and anti-Latino things that happen in in San Francisco, but, you know, really anywhere, you know. And also pre-abortion rights. Yes, also. Right? She's a Catholic high school girl mm-hmm. as it as it opens. And her and her friend get pregnant, and they go have actually a back alley abortion. They go in through the back door, and... Um, but it's not actually in an alley. Yes, that's right. That's that's what I discovered through this thing, is that back alley does not actually mean You kind of looked at me all of a sudden and said, this is the first time I realized <laughs> that a back alley abortion doesn't necessarily mean it's in the alley. Yeah, so it's funny because... I, I mean, like... I remember my mom telling me that when she had to have a procedure, she flew to sh- California, but it must have been in the 70s because in the 60s, it wasn't legal even in California. So, yeah. um, so anyway, the her friend goes first. Um, something goes wrong with the procedure and she dies, essentially. So then our heroine you know, is carries her child to term and then has to raise the child essentially by herself as a single woman in Chicago, I mean, sorry, in San Francisco in the 60s. And it's hard. It's hard to find work. It's hard to keep a job. It's hard to save money. Um, no one will give her credit. It's just... Yeah, that, was, just a really, like, that was really tough is she's completely stuck because she can't get credit. She can't rent an apartment without a man, without a husband co-signer. Um, she can't do anything. Yeah. She can't get the kind of job that she's actually qualified Qualified skills wise for because she doesn't have, she had uh, to drop out of school degree. Yeah. Cause they don't allow you to finish your high school degree. Well, she doesn't have a, didn't she finish high school? She didn't finish high school. Oh, That's why she, she doesn't do have a diploma. Okay. Yeah, because she had to drop out because of her, yeah, yeah, yeah. her kid. So, yeah, it's um, it's how difficult it was for women in the 60s. But the thing is, is that depending on your income and where you live in the world, it's still that hard. <laughs> it's that hard to procure an abortion. It's that hard to find a job that supports you it's that you know depending on on where you live in the world 
I mean, probably in San Francisco now because it's so expensive. Yeah. You know, so this is these are still problems that women are facing. Women in this country, not elsewhere, but women in this country are locked into poverty because of their lack of access to to things, you know. Yeah. Now, I want to I don't want to just quickly address something really <laughs> brave that the movie did yeah. in terms of style and storytelling. And it's the fact that this is a period film set in 1960s and no shit, the movie stops in the beginning, breaks the fourth wall and the characters look out and say, and basically address the fact that, yeah, we know we don't have the budget to dress this city as 1960s San Francisco, but you all know how to do this, right? You're going to go along for the ride with us. I don't know exactly what they say. And then you have that moment and then you're back in, in the flow of, of the movie they address that and then what do they get that means they can do this story told in san francisco in the 60s it can have the presence and the locale and the feel of san francisco they can shoot it on the streets they can shoot it on the streetcar you know they can go out there and it you you see anomalies out there if you're looking for them but really the story itself and and um her her life and her that takes over and that's what you're paying attention to I don't know that you'd want to see every movie do that, but I just thought that was really ballsy, and I thought it worked. (laughs) Um, We watched Our Father, which is a story of two sisters, Um, one of them who is going away to college or to grad school, the other one who's sort of just skating along on the edges of society. Okay, but as the movie (laughs) opens, one of them is sleeping in her car. In her car. Which we don't know for a while why. Yeah. And the other one is living in a boarding house and is two months behind on the rent. Rent, yeah. And, like, it's a total dive. Her clothes all over the place. And she's she won't even go out the front door. She, like, sneaks in and out of the window all the time so she doesn't have to deal with it. Anyway, their dad dies. Yeah. And they have to connect with their dad's other family. Yeah. They're actually the other family. Yeah, so they, the, he had an affair at some point. They're the they're the children from the affair or from yeah. the from the second partner. Yeah, and um, they're invited to go to dinner and to and eventually to go through the their father's possessions by his first wife and her three sons. The three yeah. sons are in their forties or whatever, right? I mean, this is the family. He yeah. Had. Or older, maybe yeah. they're pretty old. I was like trying to figure out it, you know, cause they, they keeps calling her their stepmom or their ex stepmom, yeah. you know, cause apparently he got back with her at some point and then divorced again. Um, but that whole situation is terrible. But what I thought that was interesting is like, this movie kind of like subverted my expectations because the whole movie you think that the one the one who's going to grad school she's about to go to an Ivy League grad school um even though she's sleeping in her car you think that she's the one that has it together but like by the end of it it turns out we find out she's living in her car because her controlling ex she broke up with her controlling boyfriend um she wants to connect with this long-lost uncle because she wants a, some sort of adult in her life. She keeps trying to reach out to the stepmother, too, to provide that sort of, like, adult in her life. She's looking for something. They don't something. have a parental figure yeah. at all. And it turns out her sister, who seems sort of, like, lost and scattered, she's got, like, her... The people at the boarding house that care about her, she's got, like, this weird guy that is, like, there for her and wants to support yeah, her, boy- her. her boyfriend. 
I guess he's her boyfriend. I don't know. <laughs> sort of. I mean... So she has, like, at first you think that the one that's going to grad school has her act together, but really it turns out that she's, like, lonely and doesn't have anyone. And while well, her sister, who she's so worried about, has this whole, like, community of people that are there to support her. So I thought that was really interesting. It's about, it's a movie about trying to find your people. Yeah. Everybody needs people. Well, and th- this is the one they build as a comedy, but it was not a, not very funny. I mean, like, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a, fu- <laughs> it wasn't a comedy. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was kind of mystified by that. And that wasn't a disappointing thing to me. No, it, it was, was just It was an indie film. I yeah. mean, if that's a, it's not a genre, but <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's not a straight-out comedy. Yeah. Um, and then one of the ones that I thought was really interesting, which I didn't choose... Um, Potato Dreams of America, which is a story about a Russian. Yeah, the title boy. makes more sense when you say his name is Potato. Yeah. Potato Dreams of America. And yeah, Potato Dreams of America. That's right. <laughs> but I think that it's just because his name in Russian means potato. I don't think she. I, it's not clear. This movie is fascinating. So it starts out in Russia. Everybody has an American accent in Russia. Like, they just talk like they're from the Which, midwest or something of course they should do that yeah. why would why would they are they supposed to have russian accents or are they supposed to have english accents yeah. you could also do europeans as english accents right and the shooting style at the beginning is very like it's very straight on it reminded me a lot of of wes anderson's style of shooting initially um yeah. where everything's really like vibrantly colored vibrantly colored and 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 set up like i don't know like a Dead center tableau, uh, yeah. like a diorama. So like I was comparing it to like Russian Orthodox iconography from, from like you know, yeah. you know, flat paintings of Mary and and like they even dressed up the mother like a saint at sometimes and you know so it it has that sort of like we're telling a story sort of look to it. Um, and very stylized, too. Like, all the sets are very stylized. Um, and then, at some point, his mother is able to secure, sort of, a ma- through a mail-order sort of situation, um, a guy who wants them to come to America and for her to be his wife. So then the next part of the movie is in America, and it's shot more naturalistically. Oh, then it just becomes yeah. an indie <laughs> movie. yeah. And, um, you know, I think the the woman playing his mother is different, I think, even. Is it a different actress, or is she just done up differently? I think it's a different it's actress. It's a different actress. I don't know. And then as soon as they come to America, they have the Russian accents. Yeah, because the, now we're they're relating to Americans. Yeah, so it was it was fascinating, interesting choice. But this is about a boy who realizes he's gay when he's yeah. quite young, and so it's it's in it's a coming out story. Yeah. with this background, yeah. and as I understood it, it's the filmmaker's actual yeah, yeah. memoir. I mean, yeah. it's like his story drawn from his autobiography of being a an American movie obsessed kid in Russia. That you know, there's all this great stuff with them trying to get the aerial antenna just right so yeah. that they can watch the fuzzy, like American. illegal third channel that shows American <laughs> movies and and that longing for the way things will be. Well, there's those great scenes where like the women and children are telling, tell me the story of this movie that you've seen. Yeah. So they like tell the movie like a story to each other. But you, you realize know? it's a dumb movie after yeah. a while. like sometimes like oh it's they're talking about I don't remember what it was. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah it was a great film. Um, so we saw a couple docs, um, uh, other than the Selma Blair one. Um, one of them was Kid Candidate, which, um, that was my peeps, my, uh, panhandle peeps, as, as we say. <laughs> is that what you guys call each other? So this one is set in Amarillo, um, and it's about this kid that, with a, some friends that were... 24-year-old kid named Hayden Pedigo. Yeah, Peyton, Peyton Pedigo. They were... Hayden. <laughs> his best friend um, was, like, sort of studying film, and they made a, a bunch of weird movie... Uh, I mean, a bunch of weird videos. Um, one of them went viral on YouTube, which is him pretending... Like, doing a fake sort of running for city council kind of but thing. But, like, in the style of a terrible public access cable yeah. TV sort of offbeat thing. Or this this guy just carrying around a tape measure. This, this kid in a suit walking yeah. around with a tape measure. We, we want Amarillo to measure up or something like that. You can probably find it on YouTube. Um, so, uh, then he decides to run for actually city council. And so the documentary sets up sort of the political landscape of Amarillo, um, which is somewhat familiar to me because it's similar to the political <laughs> landscape pretty of, similar, yeah, right? of Lubbock. Um, <laughs> although Lubbock is probably twice as big as Amarillo, but, um, um, you know, interesting, like he talks about how he wants to stick around and make Amarillo a place where he wants to live. Unlike many people, many of the young people in West Texas, they move to bigger cities, you know, all the musicians and artists and stuff like that. And he wants to sort of form a community where people feel, you know, comfortable staying in Amarillo because it's the place that they grew up and like having opportunities to make art and, and make music and make money, you know, for themselves. And then he gets through this process because he really starts to listen to the concerns of, you know, the parts of Amarillo that have been overlooked by the majority white, older, too. elite, older uh, city council. So there's like whole parts of Amarillo that are in complete decline because, you know, nobody's speaking for these people. No one is uh, taking their interest into concern. So he really gets drawn into, you know, these in, people need a voice. Yeah. And, um, so I think that he went into it thinking it's a joke, but he actually, I mean, like, he's a smart kid. He he actually starts to see real issues that needs to be taken care well, of. Because he actually starts talking to people in yeah, the community. Yeah. Which is one thing I liked. They also talked to, to this, like, lawyer who's a great character. He's, like, one of the lawyers for the Texas Innocent If you make a documentary, project. you want to have a character <laughs> like this guy. who Who is really jaded, and he's, like, he doesn't like the sort of... Um, optimism that this kid has. He thinks the kid needs to have more of a plan and, you know, and in a sense he's right, but... Um. Yeah, you know how Hands <laughs> on a Hard Body has Benny? This movie kind of has that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, like, I swear I know him. I've met him from around Austin <laughs> back when I was involved with the ACLU years ago. Um, but, I mean, he does great work with the Texas Innocence Project, which they, um, they helped with... Um, 
exonerating the Tulia people who were falsely accused up in the panhandle. Well, what's area great is he completely bashes Hayden yeah. Pedigo as a as a clown and, a, and yeah. has no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing ever. What the hell is this kid doing? And then he becomes a mentor for him. He yeah. gets drawn into it. He's like, you know what? He's actually out there kind of making waves and yeah. and he sort of latches on to him and starts giving him advice. And I wasn't expecting that so at all. I don't, I don't think we can spoil this, but essentially yeah, yeah. he runs a good race. He's, he gets second, but ultimately the sort of overwhelming uh, Amarillo Matos, which is the political action committee that sort of funds all the other races, um, essentially they were able to like shut out everyone. Nothing changes at the city council. But like the, the hopeful thing that comes out of it is you feel like he's inspired other people to be involved in politics that hadn't thought about. So a couple of his artist friends are talking about how they never voted before and they, they got registered and voted. And then it was, it was a hopeful, hopeful thing, but it also, you know, it's still like (laughs) politics is politics. Politics is politics. Yeah. It's a good, good stuff. Panhandle peeps. (laughs) Um, So did you want to mention a couple of the shorts you saw? Yeah, I really um, didn't get to do. Sh- I really didn't do shorts. You were so, always doing that when I was off. So doing yeah, else. he would go off and do something else, and I would put on a short. So um, the thing, the one we watched together, which was my favorite thing until we saw Islands and mm-hmm. then Fallout, um, was uh, a short called "Are You Still There," which is about a girl who's um, she goes to the donut shop and her car breaks down, and so it's about her waiting in her car for all day long help. yeah for help, for help. and, and <laughs> youtubing to try and find out how to jump your car oh, or yeah. what to do and <laughs> getting yelled at by the donut store owner for still being parked in the car it's it's it was and there's i don't want to spoil it but no, let's not spoil yeah, it yeah it was a really moving piece like it was funny and sad and scary and and just all really good and only 14 minutes long yeah. or something like it's that yeah short and she has an <laughs> epic day yeah it's a good yeah. good stuff um the couple that i saw that that you didn't see that i felt i should mention is there's one called soak which is about a korean girl um whose mother and father her mother recently left her father and so she's meeting up with her mother and um what ensues is kind of dark and 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 really interesting and um, completely up my alley. I really liked the tone of that. It was um, it was creepy in a, in a in a good way. <laughs> and then I saw another one, which I think also won an award called Summer Animals, which is another teen mm-hmm. um, who's um, her mother's a housekeeper. Um, and she's responsible for taking care of her younger brother and sister. Um, and during, while her mom's at work and they're behind on their rent at the hotel that they're staying in. Um, and so it's, it's kind of, and her mother works in this like rich family's house, you know, so there's a lot of like comparison and, and income disparity and, and what that means to someone who's on the losing end of that income disparity. And I just thought it was really well done. It also made me wish, I don't know, that we could make our pool available to everyone. Or, I don't know, it's just, the pool becomes a symbol for that income inequality. Yeah. And like, 
just now it I mean like it always made me uncomfortable but particularly now I feel uncomfortable about I'm glad you have something more <laughs> to feel uncomfortable about the pool about so yeah so a good festival yeah a good festival I just want to give props quickly to South by Southwest because yeah. uh, the online experience was flawless from my point of view. We had everything hooked up to the South by Southwest online app through our smart TV. I think I watched something, part of a keynote on my phone. Um, I was able to RSVP and get into everything that had limited seating. I was there. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old hand with the refresh button. So yeah. I was there and got everything I needed to. I, I didn't. I, it didn't look like most of the limited ones. There were a few I saw that had run out of slots, but anything, everything was stable. Streaming was stable. The five channels or whatever on the platform worked well. And I, this was a really great online festival. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just the film festival. It was the music festival. It was the comedy festival. It was the, the conference itself with the keynotes and... Um, I don't think we did yeah. any interactive at all. We did didn't, a few of... I did some keynotes. I saw Stacey Abrams talk to N.K. Jemison. Yeah. We saw Davi Diggs talk about um, the new TV well, series. Well, and the whole production team. Yeah, the whole production team um, for Blind Spotting, the yeah. upcoming TV show based on his movie. Um, and I feel like I saw something else. I saw Phineas, uh, musician Billy Eilish's brother, collaborator, oh, yeah. who did this the score for the Fallout. Okay. And so I got to hear him talk before I actually saw the Fallout. I saw him talk about his process and what he was doing, and and it was his first time scoring a, a movie, and it was it was great. Definitely added atmosphere and and presence and that unnerving feeling a lot yeah. of the time. So, did we do it? Did we cover? We did, it. We covered... did we cover the film festival? Uh, there was a lot more that we saw that we just don't have time to discuss, but um, highly recommend that. Um, I hope that South by Southwest continues to offer this online feature. It was quite the deal. Um, we have never been able to do South by Southwest just because the cost of the... I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's really expensive to do South by Southwest, so this was more affordable um, I mean, we live in Austin, yeah. and we don't do South by Southwest. We go to the free festival. events is what so we do. <laughs> we usually do the music festival, and we usually do, as any local knows, you can do the music festival free just yeah. going to all the showcases and pop-up parties at, yeah. at all the coffee shops and venues all around town. Get your fill and even get free free, free drinks thrown into the mix. So um, this, was our, this was my first time paying for any kind of badge for any part of South by Southwest. And uh, we saw everything that well, we, that we really for, wanted to. I forget, like, I can't remember how the funding for artists goes, but, like, maybe they pay for your transportation. But I don't think they pay for everything. So, like, the reason that those artists, they do their showcases and then they do all the unofficial events is, is they're trying to make money. I don't think the festival pays for anything. Yes. Yeah, I thought they maybe paid for their housing or I transportation. I think they the badge. I mean, you yeah. get, I mean... The, the, so, so there's a reason why these groups are like going around playing all these little shows yeah. all over the places because they're trying to make the money up so that they can pay for their lodging and for their transportation, which I have not great feelings about, but I mean, like it's worth it for that. But I mean, like these people at South by Southwest are like busting their asses. They're like playing like five shows a day or something like crazy all over town, you know, running around to different places, 
you know. Well, because they're all, and I mean, they, they want to be discovered. Yeah. They want to get signed. Yeah. I mean, and some of the them The exposure do. is worth it, but these people are literally, I mean, like, completely exhausted by the end of the the 10 days hey, or whatever. As somebody yeah. standing in the pit, yeah. I'm completely <laughs> exhausted after yeah. five shows or whatever. Yeah, can you imagine performing five times a day for you know, 50 shows in a week and a half or whatever it is. No, so incredible. Let me just say, I miss it. Yeah. I, I miss, miss it. I miss yeah. standing at uh, Mohawk or, or something and catching a show next year. Hopefully next year, maybe Yeah. live music, but live, we hope the festivals. online film festival, we'd be, we'd do that again. Yeah. Know. This is our second. We did awesome yeah. film festival yeah. the same way a few months ago, but that was back in October. I, I felt like, I mean, not to compare because I think South by Southwest is a larger company than Austin Film Festival, but I think like the online streaming aspect of it was a little bit easier to handle um, through the South by Southwest app. But you know, that's just you know. Everybody was has been trying to figure out how to do this. Yeah, and I heard Sundance went well, but uh, you know, it, yeah. it takes a while to get this stuff up and running to deliver in a totally different way. Well, they did, um, our, our film society did, um, Sundance screenings, um, drive in, but I missed out on tickets. So that's right. That would have been fun, but. All right. Well, thanks for coming along for this long ride through the (laughs) highlights of South by Southwest 2021. Um, and we'll be back with the regular episode in which I, I choose one film, not 12. Yes. Um, and we'll cover it in depth. And I hope that you're able to catch up with some or all of the movies we've talked about, if and when they make their way around the world. They're all worth seeing. I didn't see anything at all that I regretted. Um, Just class material through and through. Great stuff. And I feel like the future of uh, independent filmmaking and documentary narrative, whatever, is sound and in good, good health. Hope is restored. Even though the world is not in good health right now, the movie industry, at least the indie industry and and the stuff we're seeing, some really great films this year. Well, hard times create great art. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll be back uh, with uh, my pick next time. And I still have to choose what it is. So we don't know. And um, that's it. All right. Bye. Bye.